Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We are starting a new series today, and it really is a series about questions. It's a series about questions that we have of God, and especially about who God is. And the reality is, is that we have to really address those questions. We have to discuss those questions. We have to ponder them and think about them. Now, sadly, can I tell you, when we look at the questions over the next five weeks, looking today and the next four weeks, our normal response to people when they have these questions is to just simply say to them is, well, you just need to believe. You just need to have faith. And we sometimes even have a tendency to put down those who have those questions. But my friends, we're going to see today that these questions are real. And they need to be answered. They need a response. And simply just saying you need to believe is not enough. Especially for someone who is wrestling with these questions. And we're going to be looking at several questions over the next week. We're going to look at, first of all, is God real? We're going to be looking at, is the Bible true? Do all faiths or religions lead to heaven? The really big one that a lot of us struggle with is why does God allow suffering? And then finally we're going to wrap up the series with what happens to me when I die? And simply answering those questions by simply saying you just need to believe really is not enough. Really doesn't satisfy. In fact, can I be honest with you, there's an assumption on our part when we answer those questions this way. The assumption on our part is is that they should already know the answer. Or the assumption is, is you don't know the answer, so it's easy just for you to say, just believe. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to struggle over the next five weeks. We're going to struggle with the whole reality of who God is. We're going to struggle with the reality of the Bible and whether truth is truth. And we're going to struggle with the questions about why does God allow things and so forth. And we're going to try to answer those questions over the next few weeks. So I want you to notice with me, today we're going to hit, I guess, the really foundational one. Is God real? It's a question that maybe, if you're willing to be honest, that all of us struggle with at some point or another. Even if you have been a Christian for a long time, you will face this question. Why will you face this question? Because you will face circumstances and situations in your life And you'll wonder, God, are you even there? You'll wonder if he's real. So we're going to address those questions. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, we've got to talk about the nature of our questions. The first thing I want you to see is this. It's natural to question the existence of God. One of the things that is interesting is in in, in our Christian circles, and let me just stop for a moment. As I respond to this question today, I'm going to be responding with you from the historical standpoint of Christianity. I'm going to be responding to you what we believe about this question. So what I present to you is the Christian response to this question. So I want you to understand that. I'm not here to convince you. I'm here simply to present to you what we believe. Then you have to decide what you're going to do with it. So as we look at the whole issue of the existence of God, let me just first of all say this. It's okay to question the existence of God because it's natural. 
It's natural to question the existence of God. Every living creature questions the reality of the existence of God. Do you understand that? Now, here's the sad thing. The sad thing is, is in our Christian circles, you don't want to express that. Because there's almost a stigmatism that comes with it. What do you mean you're questioning the existence of God? Do you even believe? Are you truly a Christian? My friends, wrestling with doubt, wrestling with questions about God, is natural. In fact, it's a natural part of your believing life. And if, in fact, if you're not questioning the existence of God, if you're not asking questions of God, I have a question about your spiritual life, about whether or not you're truly being real, about whether or not you are truly believing. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me give you an understanding. Here, the next point is this. It's a part of faith development. It's a part of faith development. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 gives us a definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, the reality is, is when we talk about God, we're, we're not talking about somebody that we can see. We're not talking about someone that you can touch or someone that you can interact with on a physical level. But rather, you're talking about someone who's unseen. The Bible tells us that God is a spirit. And because of the fact that we do not see him, it's only natural for us to question his existence. But here's the problem. The problem is is that we immediately equate that with that there's something wrong with my spiritual life. There isn't anything wrong with your spiritual life. Wrestling with who God is and the reality of Him is actually helping you in the development of your faith. You and I need to see that. Wrestling with the reality of who God is actually helps you in the development of your faith. Do you understand that? It helps in your faith development. I think back to many of the times... You know, like, to me, the concept of God and the reality of God is so real. Why? Because as I have wrestled with Him and the reality of Him over the years, I'm convinced more than ever. And it was out of my times of wrestling with who He is and the reality of Him that has convinced me more and more that God is real. So it's natural for you to question, so don't be negative about it. And don't give anybody else a hard time because they do question that. The key thing is to understand it's all part of faith development. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this right off the bat. If you know somebody who's wrestling with the question of God's existence, and whether or not he's real, the best thing you can do is not just simply say to them, just believe. The best thing you can do is to come alongside of them and wrestle with them. Answer their questions, or try to. And and we say, well, I don't have the answer. It's okay not to have the answer. Just simply say, I don't know that answer. But let's explore it together. See, we need to wrestle with the concept of God. So, okay, George, is God real? That's the question. I want to wrestle with it today with you. Is God real? Well, the Bible tells us that there are three evidences to the reality of God. And so we're going to look at various scriptures this morning concerning the reality of God. The first one we find in Psalm 19. That's the passage I had you open up to. And I want you to listen to me as David writes. Now listen, he's writing 3,000 years ago. The first four verses, he says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, that is, the planet, the earth, shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, 
night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Here's what I want you to see. The first evidence is this, is that our world, our world points to his existence. Our world points to his existence. This is what David is telling us here. He says, when you look at the heavens, when you examine the skies, when you see the stars, and you look beyond at the vastness of it, you know, and, and around here, when you get outside of the town or gets out outside of a city, and, and I can remember as a boy when I was in Scouts, we used to go camping and I would lay on the hill and look up at the innumerable number of stars there were. They were beyond comprehension. Or look at the moon. And, and then even if as you look at the earth, and this is a beautiful time of the year, isn't it? When you see the maples and the hardwoods changing leaves. And when you look at that and you see the reality of what we call creation, His creation, it reveals the reality of God. In fact, David goes on and he says this. Notice with him. Day unto day utters speech. Every day speaks to us about the reality of Him. Every day, when you go around, when you see the intricacy of all that he has created, not only the creation, but when you go around and see the intricacy of the people you meet, everybody here, have you noticed we're not all the same? I mean, you may even be from the same family and you look like mom or dad, but you're not mom or dad because you've got a different personality. Every day utters speech. Every day speaks to us is what David is saying about the reality of God. Every day speaks to us, and the night reveals knowledge. When you're at night and you look up and you see the creation, it reveals his knowledge. And listen, here's what David goes on. He says in verse 3, There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. This is true all over the world. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe acknowledges the existence of God simply by listening and seeing the reality of creation. Our world reveals, our world points to his existence. That's the first evidence. All you've got to do is just look around you. All you've got to do is look around you and see that there was something more than this. Listen, my friends, the reality is, and, and, and statistics show that, more than 70% of Americans don't believe in evolution. It didn't just happen by chance. There was a creator, a designer, and it speaks to him. He exists. The other thing you see, the evidence that the Bible tells us, we come in chapter 1, verse 20. Paul says this, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's he saying here? Our world reveals his character. Our world reveals his character. You can look at the creation that Paul says, and what you see in his creation is the character of God. Have you noticed that for the most part our world is beautiful? I mean, separately you say, well, I don't know that I, I think everything's really drab and ugly these times. No, no, if you step back from your mood for a moment, is your perception of, of the world and reality is affected by your mood that day. 
But if you took a step back, and if you looked at creation, the reality of what creation is, if you look at the colors, if you look at the sky, if you look at the sunsets, if you look at the flowers and the birds and the animals, and if you look at it, you, what you see, and if you look at the streams, you see something beautiful, don't you? That reveals a lot about the character of God, about His character, about Him being beautiful, about His heart. Is that what are you talking about? Well, have you ever noticed when you're watching a movie and they show evil and, and they show a, a world that's ruled by evil, is it usually bright and colorful in the movie? What's, it, what's the color that you normally see in a, in a dark, evil world? Black. You say, well, we got black around here. Yes, I know. It's because we burn coal around here. I understand that. But, I mean, if you were to wash that coal off, it would be beautiful, would it not? This is what Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is saying that when you look at the reality of creation, it reveals something to you about the character of God. In fact, when you look at the reality of creation, it not only reveals to you about his character in the sense of being beautiful and loving, it also reveals to you his power and his justice. When you look at these mountains around here, you see the one who created them, the vastness of them. Isaiah goes on and tells us that he measured the waters, the oceans, in the palm of his hand. The water that's in them. That's significant, isn't it? It tells you something about how great God is. The reality of him. He's real. He exists. And you can see his character. Now, those two, you say, well, okay, well, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm convinced by that. You know, okay, yeah, creation, but you know, I, I, I don't know that I believe that God did it. Well, yeah, I can see the beauty part of it, but who's to say that it really reveals who he is? Okay, there is one other evidence that Scripture tells us, and we find it as well in Romans. In Paul's epistle, he tells us in the second chapter, verses 14 through 15, he says, For when Gentiles, now who are Gentiles? That's you and I, who did not have the law, what is the law? The law of Moses, by nature do the things in the law, These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Here's what I want you to see. Our conscience reveals his existence. There's another reality that Paul is saying to us that proves the existence of God, and that's the very conscience that you and I have. Here, here's, here's the percent. It, what we're talking about with a conscience is this. It's a sense of right and wrong that was given to you and I when God created us. Because the Bible tells us that we were created in His image. Genesis chapter 1. You and I were created in the image of God, given the ability to understand right and wrong. And so you and I have a conscience that reveals His character. And this is universally true. If you go to any culture in this world today, you're going to find that there are certain moralities that are accepted by people as being right or wrong. And it's interesting. They, they exist differently, but yet they have the same morality. Every culture has their sense of right and wrong. We say, well, you know, we're in America. This is the West. We're free thinkers now. And... What's right to you may be right for you, and what's right for me may be right for me. And, you know, if we disagree, you know, there's no absolute truth, and, 
you know, that's just your conscience and this is my conscience. You know, say, yeah, I understand that. But, you know, I've noticed this, that sometimes free thinkers see how they react when their spouse commits adultery. See how they react when somebody steals from them. See how they react when somebody murders someone they love. They will revert back to what? Their God-given conscience. You see what I'm saying? God gives us a conscience. And Paul says to us that it reveals the existence of God. That just didn't develop, my friends, from evolutionary processes. You were created in the image of the Creator. In the image of God. So do you see the three evidences? He he says if we look at our world, we see that God is there. If we look at the very presence of it, it points to his character and his existence. But not just that. We know within our hearts, within our consciousness, that God is real and he exists. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. Let's connect that third one back to the issue that I raised to you earlier. Remember what I raised to you earlier. It's natural for us to question the existence of God. Remember that? Here's what I'm trying to say to you. That's connected to the reality that our conscience reveals that there is a God. See, the whole fact that we're wrestling with whether or not he exists is because there's something inside of us that says that there is. But we're not sure. You understand what I'm saying? Because it actually reveals something deeper on the inside. It's on the inside of all of us of the reality of whether or not he truly exists. Because within us, there's something that is pointing to the fact that he is there. But for many of us, we want to ignore it. See, that's the issue, the reality of God. He's there. Creation points to it. Our conscience points to it. But there is one other component of Christianity that I need to present to you, and that's this. How do we know that God is real? Well, he gave us a revelation of himself. God revealed himself through the Old Testament and into the New Testament through the Gospels in the person of a person named Jesus. We believe that God is real because of the revelation of that person in Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to look with me. Turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says right up, to, right up at the beginning. Here he's talking about the God, the one that we're wondering about whether or not he exists. We're wondering about the one that we are questioning his reality and wrestling with it this morning. Listen to what he says here. God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and his express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, as he was by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they." Here's what I want you to see. First of all, if you look at verse 1, if we talk about the revelation, about God revealing himself to us, here's another evidence. The evidence is this. God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to us. 
See, it's not just that I see that he's there. It's not just that my conscience tells me he's there. The fact of the matter is, is God reveals himself to you. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that God at various times and in various ways spoke to the prophets. What prophets is he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament prophets. He spoke to them in those times. Now, what do you mean in various ways and in various times? Well, when you read through the Old Testament, it's interesting. You see that God reveals himself in many different ways to the Old Testament prophets. Some of them he meets face to face. Some of them he speaks to through a burning bush. Some of them he talks to them through dreams. Some of them are taken literally to heaven and see the throne room like Isaiah or Ezekiel. God, in, in many different ways, revealed himself to those folks. See, that's an evidence, my friend. God will reveal himself to you. If you wrestle with the question, see, this is what I'm saying. It's not bad to wrestle with the question. It's not bad for you to wrestle with the question of his existence because if you are sincere to know his existence, he will reveal himself to you. But the writer of Hebrews goes on and tells us in verse 2 that Jesus reveals God to us. That's the next point there. Jesus reveals God to us. If you really want to know who God is and the reality of him, You just need to look at the person of Jesus. And notice what the writer of Hebrews says. Look at what he says, verse 2. And in these last days has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. And notice, look at the last part there. Through whom also he made, what? The worlds. Who made the worlds? Who's he talking about? Through Jesus, God made the worlds. Do you remember now I told you creation expresses the reality of who God is? Here we are in Hebrews And the writer of Hebrews is telling us that the agent for creating was who? Jesus. In fact, Colossians tells us that. In Colossians chapter 1, if you want to go there, read through Colossians chapter 1. He tells us that the world that was created was created by Jesus and is sustained by him. Jesus reveals to us God. And you say, no, I don't know that I agree with that, George. I I don't, you know, maybe the Son of God, yeah. Possibly, but I don't know that I agree with that, that Jesus is God. Did he ever say that? Many times. In fact, that is the reason why they crucified him. Because he was claiming to be God. When he responded to the Sanhedrin, Are you the Messiah? He responded with the words, The name of God, I am. And immediately they reacted. Why? Because to them they recognized that he was saying the name of God. Jesus said, when you look at me, you see who? The Father. He said on many other occasions, in fact, the Gospel of John points to this a lot. He said on many other occasions, I and the Father am what? One. When you see me, you see him. When he was in the garden praying, praying for you and I who are believers, he was saying that they would know you and me. The one you've sent. And they say, well, I still can't grasp that reality, George, because we're talking, if God is this awesome God who created everything, why in the world would he come like us? Why in the world would he become like us? Isn't that, isn't that crazy? To you and us it would be. But for God it was for a purpose. In fact, Philippians tells us this. If you want to, you can turn there. I'll, I'll read it to you. Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writing writes this about in chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind which was in also in Christ Jesus, who... Now here he's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus. Who, 
being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Here's God, Jesus. And this is what he says. He did not consider it robbery. He didn't, it, it was his character to be of all the glory and power and wonder of God, Jesus. Listen to what he writes in verse 7. But made himself, that is, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So God himself takes on the form of a man, and here's how he refers to us. He refers to us like slaves. He took on the form of a slave and became like us. And then notice what it says. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, that is, God humbles himself in the appearance of man, Jesus, and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. So God had a reason to go into the cross, and he was obedient. Now here's what it says. Therefore God has highly esteemed him and given him the name above, which is above every name. That is, God raised him back up to his glory. See, that's the revelation. God is real. How do I know He's real? Not because I look at creation and the revelation of creation. Not because I look at the revelation of my own heart and my conscience. Because I see the revelation of the one named Jesus. And the reality of who He was. He's real. You know, as we enter into these questions, it's okay to struggle with them. And you may not be convinced here as I share my proofs with you. But that's fine. Hopefully... It will start the discussion. See, we have to move beyond uninformed faith to convinced faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to move beyond blind faith where we just accept because so-and-so told us and then we get upset later because it didn't work out the way we thought we were told. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's interesting. We've, we've used the illustration before of three chairs representing three types of commitment to Christ. The first chair, which is that wholehearted commitment to Christ. The second chair is that fence-sitter. He wants both worlds and wants to believe. But then there's the third chair, which is a lot of us that fall into us because we're raised in Christian homes, is, is that we finally, you know, whatever, I believe it, but we don't believe it. What we want is more than just the faith that was given to us. We want a faith that we assume ourselves. A faith that is developed on our own. A faith that, as we wrestle with it, sees the reality of God. And so this is just a part of the discussion. This is just part of trying to move you to where your faith is developed and you can see God in your own life and recognize who Jesus is. So I have three things I want you to think about as we close our time. Number one, are you struggling with the reality of God? Are you struggling with who He is? I mean, and that struggle could be anything from just a simple little small doubt to... I'm convinced, but you're not sure you're convinced yet because maybe you've embraced something else. But you're not sure if you really want to embrace that because you're holding out the possibility. So your struggle may be even to the extreme of being angry. Yet there's something inside of you that's pulling you, tugging at you, telling you there's something more. Are you struggling? The other thing I want you to see is this. Look to the evidence of his existence. Look to the evidence of his existence. Look to them. Look to his, the evidence and, and wrestle with it. And then finally, here's what I would say. Seek Jesus and you'll find God. If you truly are seeking him, you will find him. If you are from a sincere heart wanting to find the reality of God, 
you will find him, and I believe you'll find him in the person of Jesus Christ. That's reality. But you've got to seek him. And in order to seek him, you've got to say it's okay to wrestle with whether or not he's there. So it's okay to question, isn't it? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.